What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to Tell Me a Story I Don't Know, a refreshing and captivating interview with top sports personalities and their connections to Chicago. They reveal some entertaining, memorable, and emotional stories, some you've never heard before. I'm George Hoffman, and please make sure you subscribe to Tell Me a Story I Don't Know on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget the free TuneIn app. We're there, too. Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is presented by Vienna Beef, makers of Chicago's hot dog on a Chicago landmark business since 1893. There is nothing like a Vienna hot dog or one of their Polish sausages, and their products are available coast to coast at ViennaBeef.com and through Amazon. Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is also sponsored by the Polina Market, Chicago's top purveyor of fine meats, poultry, fish, fresh frozen prepared foods, wine, beer, and now serving fresh sandwiches. They've been a staple in the city since 1949. This week we feature the cap man, David Kaplan. My Rolodex should have a secretary, but I have <laughs> almost 16,000 contacts in my iPhone. 16,000 contacts? Seriously? Seriously. You never, ever know what story on a moment's notice breaks and you're like, hold on a second. I've got that guy's cell phone. Get him on. You never, ever know, and that's how you beat your competition. All you have to say is, Cap, and everyone knows who you're talking about. David Kaplan is everywhere, whether it's on radio, TV, social media, doing basketball analysis, or writing a book. Cap has become a multimedia star, but not without a schedule many envy. He's the essence of 24-7, the Everetty Bunny on steroids. And he has so much to say... We decided to make this a two-part podcast, so without further ado, Cap, tell me a story I don't know. So I am at home, fast asleep at 1 o'clock in the morning. This is 1998, and the overnight show producer at WGN Radio, a guy named Steve Buckman, who was my intern at one time, worked for my basketball scouting business, at one time, and I helped him get in the radio business, he calls from the Steve and Johnny show on WGN radio. Phone rings, wakes me up. My phone is never, ever, ever turned off. You work in the media business, you better be able to be reached. And so I answer the phone. I said, hey, what's up, Buck? He said, this guy is a truck driver. He's called four times in the last 20 minutes, said he has to talk to you. I said, just a, a normal truck driver just calling, and you're waking me up at after 1 o'clock in the morning. 
He said, the guy claims he's got a story to tell you that you have to know tonight. Well, that's like, you know, throwing blood in the water to a shark. And I'm like, give me his number. I call him. He answers the phone on half a ring. Oh, Cap, I'm a huge fan, man. I listen all the time. I'm blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, get to the point here. It's a little after one in the morning. My kids are asleep. Uh, What are you talking about? He said, well, I'm a delivery driver, and I made a delivery tonight to St. Joseph's Hospital in Lincoln Park. I said, "Uh uh-huh. How does that involve me? He said, well, they just wheeled Jack Brickhouse's dead body by me. I said, excuse me. Excuse me. What did you say? He said, Jack Brickhouse is dead, and they just wheeled his body by me, and his wife is sitting here, and she's sobbing, and I want you to break the story. So now – I can't go on a radio station the size of, I can't go on any station, but WGN has this worldwide reach. And I'm going to go report that this iconic name has died on the musings of a man who I don't know. I can't trust this guy. I said, all right, thank you, sir. Appreciate it. I hang up. I start thinking, how am I going to confirm this story at 1.15 in the morning now? I call the hospital because I had dated a girl Before I got married, I dated a girl who was a nurse there. I call and ask to speak to her, just hoping she's working the overnight shift. She's not, but they transfer me to her floor. This other nurse answers. I tell her, hey, I'm friends with so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. Uh Uh-huh. I said, did Jack Brickhouse uh, get brought there? Uh, I really can't comment on that. And I said, Please, this is important. I work with Jack at WGN. She said, okay, um, yes, Jack passed away about 30 minutes ago. His wife is here. She's very upset, obviously. I said, yeah, don't put her on the phone. I said, but I just wanted to confirm that. Uh, I appreciate your support. Thank you. Hang up. I Before I call in on Steve and Johnny to break the story, there's no Twitter back then, I call Paul Sullivan. Paul Sullivan is fast asleep from the Tribune. We were being preached at by Dennis Fitzsimons. Synergy, 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 synergy. So we're owned by Tribune. I call Sully. He answers the phone like he's been sleeping for a month. Hello? I said, (laughs) Sully, what? It's Kaplan. Do you know what effing time it is? (laughs) I said, yeah, I do. Get your dead ass out of bed and turn your laptop on. Jack Brickhouse is dead. What? (laughs) He, okay, I can trust you. It's not a joke. I said, Sully, break the story. Well, their late deadline back then, they don't do that now. Late deadline was 1.35 in the morning. So he's got like 15 minutes to get a story written. Well, he, I go on the air. I break the story. Again, there's no Twitter. We're the only ones reporting this. No one else has any way of confirming it. Sully writes a story. The next day, my phone rings. It's John Madigan, the CEO of the Tribune Company. And they're like, hey, uh, Cap, uh, John Madigan's on the phone for you. I'm thinking, I'm getting fired and the CEO of the company has to get a hold of me? No idea why he's getting a hold of me. I take the call. Yes, Mr. Madigan, uh, I just wanted to thank you for what you did. I was in my car my driver was driving me to work 
and we had the late edition of the Tribune. We had the Daily Herald, the Sun-Times, the USA Today, and the only newspaper that had the story about the unfortunate death of Jack Brickhouse was our paper. And I said, how did we get that? And they said, well, David Kaplan broke the story. And before he went on the air, he called the paper to make sure we had it. He said, you ever need anything here from the Tribune? You call me. And that was how the story got broken. You, you never know. Timing is everything. So this takes me to the next question because your motor never stops. Mm-hmm. So take me through a typical weekday starting from the moment you wake up, assuming you sleep. So I am now happily married to Mindy for 16 and a half years. Uh, I was married once before and you know, she's a wonderful person and a great mother, but we just were not a good mix marriage wise. She didn't understand my lifestyle. I didn't understand her lifestyle. So it was just a bad decision. Well, Anyway, Mindy comes to me a few years ago and says, "Hon, I love you dearly, and I'm thrilled to be married to you. But if you don't start getting more than four hours of sleep a night, you're not going to be around to watch our kids and our grandkids. So we had this come-to-Jesus meeting, I like to call it. And now I am very, very good about going to bed earlier. I wake up every day at between 3.45 and 4 a.m. and grab my co- shower, grab my coffee, head downtown, do the radio show, come back to my house or back before COVID, I would go to the gym. Now I have, I put a gym in my house. So I will train there and then go back downtown many days a week to do something at the TV station and then come home. I host another show on Zoom called The Rush. It's our Facebook live show at NBC Sports Chicago. Tiger Woods made the cut at the Open Championship. He's even after two rounds. Will he ever win another major? Yes, he will. Really? Yeah. And why? I think he's back. <laughs> Have you watched you his swing I... last day? He looks good. And then I come home, and my wife doesn't get home from work at Lou Malmati's, where she's the marketing director, till 7.30. So I usually probably six nights a week cook dinner either for just her and I or if my son Brett is with us, or any of the other kids. So, yeah, that's a typical day. And you mentioned never stop moving. I, George, actually have a shark tattooed on my arm. And when I had the tattoo artist design it, it says above it, live life all in. That's how I live my life. If I'm going to be George's friend, I'm in. Otherwise, why am I wasting your time or mine? And then the shark is... Never stop moving because if you outwork your competition, it really pisses them off. They're like, freaking guy doesn't stop. Now, they may be more talented. They may have a better contact on something. But boy, oh, boy, if you just are relentless. So I got the shark, and then I feel like I'm an approachable person. So I wanted the shark to have a smile on it. So if you look at the shark, you know, in detail, my shark is smiling. You know, you once said, this is not a life for everyone. And considering how immersed you're in it, I I would have to agree. Yeah, it is not a life for everyone. And I keep telling people, you know, they thought when I was a basketball coach, tough job, he shows up with a whistle around his neck from three to five, and then that's all he does. And I'm like, you have no idea what goes into the life of a coach. Well, a media person, like the coach, out of season, it's you don't have to do – you know, if you're a college coach, I get the recruit. I'm talking about a pro coach. Once your season's over, 
you know, your schedule really settles down. If you're in the media like you have been forever and been so good at it, like I've been forever, man, you go from – you play a GM in four different sports for five different teams seven days a week. Doesn't mean we're always right, but you better be entertaining. You better inform. So those are the two things, but it is not a life for everyone. I have friends of mine who truly have said, yeah, my girlfriend doesn't want me to work on Saturday nights. Well, guess what? The sports calendar doesn't care that mm-hmm. your girlfriend doesn't want you to work on Saturday nights. And on Sunday, I want to sleep in. I don't want to have to be at Soldier Field, you know, at 9 a.m. Well, guess what? The NFL doesn't care either. So when you get into this, either do it the right way and try to be the best you can be at it or understand this lifestyle is not for everybody. I understand the Friday nights and Saturday nights and Sunday days. Believe me, I do. Here's what I really want to know, Cap. I really do. Does your Rolodex have a secretary? My Rolodex should have a secretary, but I have almost 16,000 contacts in my iPhone. 16,000 contacts. Seriously? Seriously. Seriously. I Every time the new iPhone comes out, I buy it because it's a business expense that I need. I shoot video with it. The camera gets better and better. I get the most possible memory that you can get. And you give me, you know, hey, this guy's going to come on. Here's his cell as a backup when he's calling the station. That number is going into my phone, and I may never need it again. But you never, ever know what story on a moment's notice breaks, and you're like, hold on a second. I've got that guy's cell phone. Get him on. Or, oh, my God, that guy has a PR person. I got their cell phone. Run him down. You never, ever know, and that's how you beat your competition. Yeah, but you've got to try to remember 16,000 people. If I mean, that seems to be impossible. Then again. Look, I have a photographic memory. When I grew up, I was not the best student. My brother was valedictorian. He's an eye surgeon trained at the Mayo Clinic. My late father was an attorney, graduated number one in law school, and argued a murder trial in the U.S. Supreme Court. My mother was the head of dietary services at a major hospital in both New York and Chicago. And then there was me. And I was the one when we would bring the report card home and people forget, you know, now they either email it to you or they would, you know, you would get a text. Well, when we were kids, I would literally get an envelope and it would have a card for each class, gym, art, math, science. And I remember there was a category that said deportment. My kids were like, deportment, what is that? It was your behavior. And more often than not, it would say, David is a very nice, outgoing young man who doesn't understand staying in his seat, doesn't this. He's always the class clown trying to entertain everybody. And it would drive my dad crazy. It would. Why can't you turn your homework in on time? There was a game on last night. Whereas my brother, who loves sports as much as I do, he would be, I'm sorry if my favorite team is playing and I, I have a quiz tomorrow. Yeah, okay. That was him, and that was me. (laughs) Fortunately, I made it my chosen field. Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is presented by Vienna Beef, Chicago's hot dog and a Chicago institution since 1893. If you've had a hot dog, chances are it was from Vienna. And did you know there are more locations selling Vienna in Chicago than McDonald's, Burger King, and Wendy's combined? There's nothing like biting into a juicy and delicious pure beef Vienna hot dog dragged through the garden, which includes 
yellow mustard, onions, relish, tomatoes, sport peppers, pickles, and some celery salt, and oh, those Polish sausages dripping with flavor. And look for the new spicy smoked sausage available in your local retail stores. It includes a perfect blend of seasonings such as crushed red peppers and brown sugar creating a bold and zesty taste. Vienna products are available in restaurants, grocery stores, and entertainment venues such as the ballpark, socks and cubs, stadiums, museums, and the zoos. Plus you can purchase them online coast to coast at viennabeef.com and Amazon. And remember, Vienna's not just hot dogs and sausages. Look for their farm makers' chili, mini bagel dogs, condiments, and classic deli meats. Take it from a guy who was weaned on, then sold Vienna products. It's the mark of excellence since 1893. Check them out at viennabeef.com. The easiest way to hear more great guests on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is to follow me on social media at George Offman. That's O-F-M-A-N. Just one F on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on the free TuneIn app or wherever you get your podcast. We return with David Kaplan on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. Here's my first recollection of you. David Kaplan's Windy City Round Ball, which was highly promoted by the late Chet Kopik on his evening sports show in the 80s. It's where several of us were promoted by Chet. Looking back on 2002 in the uh, tie when both sides ran out of pitchers, I had become increasingly more bored with baseball's all-star game. First of all, I don't like home run derby for a couple of reasons. Number one, most of the big sluggers just don't compete. But to get there, it was all about hoops before your media career began. So tell me a story I don't know how basketball was a springboard for where you are today. I'm a senior in college, and I'm walking in the student union at Hamlin University in St. Paul, Minnesota, to get my mail out of my P.O. box. And there is a sign on the wall there. It says, local high school looking for assistant basketball coach, Kellogg High School. So I'm like, it says stipend, $1,000 for the season. And I'm thinking, I can do that job. Are you kidding? So I call the head coach, and I ask for an interview. And he said, sure, come on over. I interview with him, and he's like, you know what? Let's give this a shot. Why not? You'll relate to the kids. You're in college. Let's do it. And I'm the head JV coach and the assistant varsity coach. Now the season ends. We win the junior varsity conference championship we were eight and two I had a blast now they offered me to be the sophomore coach and assistant varsity for now I'm going to make like $2,500 well what am I going to do when I graduate I can't live on 2,500 bucks so I have no idea I had a degree in English I wanted to either be a coach or be in the media I wanted to be in sports so I have no idea how I am going to get there and I thinking to myself, I guess I got to go to law school. I'm so over being in school. I have no interest, but my dad and mom are telling me, get the law degree and then see where it leads. Well, I come home from college. My plan is I'm going to go to law school, be the sophomore coach. And I really don't want to do this. I don't want to be in law school. I sit down and I always would fight my brother for the newspapers. And I always wanted the Sun Times because it opened like a book, not a broadsheet. And I open it up, and the transactions column in the agate 
would always say Chicago Cubs acquired Ron Sano and DePaul University hired this guy. And there it says Purdue University fired their assistant basketball coach. I'm like, I can do that job. I've got one year of JV experience. I'm going to turn 22 that November. This is in May. So I call Purdue University. And I know who the coach is. It's Gene Cady. He's this legendary coach. Mm -hmm. So I call and I call 411. There's no Google. Do you have a phone number for Purdue University men's basketball? Yes. I haven't called that number in 20 years, at least. And I can tell you it was 317-494-3214. Now, the area code may have changed, but I'll bet you that phone number hasn't. I call Purdue basketball. Hi, is Coach Katie available? Um, yeah, who's calling? David Kaplan from Kellogg High School in Minnesota. Hold on. Coach Katie. I said, hey, Coach, my name's David Kaplan. I saw that you fired one of your assistants. I'd like to apply for that job. Uh-huh. Uh, you're a high school coach. Uh, do you have any Big Ten-level players on your team? No, sir. We were 8-16 and 16 this past year on the varsity. We don't have anybody that can play at Purdue. Uh-huh. How old are you? 21. Uh-huh. Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't you get 10 years experience and call me? Thanks for calling. And he hangs up. And I'm devastated. I'm like, I can do that job. The next day, George, I'm telling you, I pick up the Sun-Times. Northern Illinois University announces that their assistant coach, Mark Coombs, has resigned to become the head coach at Wabash Valley Junior College. Now, I knew who Gene Cady was. I have no idea who the coach at Northern is. I call 411, Northern Illinois University in DeKalb, Illinois, please. Yeah, 753-1000, 815 area code. They answered, <laughs> Northern Illinois University. I said, hi, uh, who's your head basketball coach for your men? That would be John McDougal. Would you like me to transfer you? And for your records, his number is 753-1633. Thank you. Basketball coach McDougal. Now, he doesn't even have a secretary. At least at Purdue, they had a secretary. I said, Coach McDougal, my name's David Kaplan from Kellogg High School in St. Paul, Minnesota, and I would like to be your assistant. I saw this Mark Coobs just resigned. Uh, what's your level of experience? One year as a JV uh, head coach and varsity assistant. Yeah, that's not going to fly here. My AD wants a college experience coach. But thanks for calling. Coach, you got to let me come up and meet with you. Look, I can't hire you. You're sure you're a nice young man. Coach, just let me drive there tomorrow. He died two days before the Cubs won the World Series in 2016. He hated the Cubs because he was a Cardinals fan. But you know how, George, you meet somebody, and in eight-tenths of a second, you're like, I'm marrying that girl. That guy's going to be my best friend. That person I can't stand. Like, you can read them in a second. Well, if he was alive, he would tell you, George, I only let that SOB drive here to DeKalb to get him off the goddamn phone. He wouldn't let me go. But I was never hiring him. I borrow a tie from my dad. I drive out to DeKalb. 9 a.m., I walk in. I'm in a blue blazer with a blue button-down shirt with the little buttons on the collar. And here I come and hair to my shoulders. Air to my shoulders. I'm bald now. And he meets me. And in a half a second, I'm like, this guy's awesome. I like this guy. And he's like 62 years old. I'm 21. And we have zero in common. He's like, let's go for a walk. It's a beautiful day. Three hours. We walk the campus. That's where our players live, their dorm. That's where the math building is. That's where our team plays. Let's go look at the locker room. Here's the coach's locker. We get done. He said, let's grab a cup of coffee. We get. I don't even drink coffee back then. Now I'm an addict. 
and I drink this cup of coffee. We get done. He shakes my hand. He said, well, thanks for coming up. I'm going to be very honest with you. That's the only way I operate. You're a hell of a nice young man, and you're utterly unqualified for this job. (laughs) And I said, coach, trust me, I can do this job. My AD will never settle for it. I'm sorry, but good luck to you. And I get in the car, and I literally am just devastated. Devastated. So now I guess it's law school. That's where I got to go. I don't know what else I'm going to do. So the summer goes on. It's now the first week of August. I've already registered for law school. I took a, like a law school prep class, hated it, but I went. Now I have saved my money because I was a beer vendor at both Wrigley and Comiskey. And I saved my money, and I bought a, 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 a ticket to a basketball clinic at the Hyatt Regency in Milwaukee. So I'm going to pay for my hotel. It's one night stay. Come in, clinic. There's like a social Stay over, get up, another day in the clinic, and go home. And I put my money there. It's Hubie Brown and Mike Fratello. And so I'm there at this clinic. And there's no cell phones. There's no pagers. And in the middle of Hubie Brown speaking, as God is my witness, uh, do we have a David Kaplan here? There's like 600 people at this thing. Yeah, that's me. Uh, please go to the front desk. You have an emergency phone call. I'm like, well, that can't be good. I walk up to the front desk. Hi, uh, I'm David Kaplan. Yeah, your mom has called four times. She's looking for you. you got to call home right now. I call home. Hey, mom, what's up? Everybody okay? Yeah, everything's fine. But Coach McDougal called and has been trying to reach you. He left messages on your recorder in your bedroom. Well, I'm not – you can't check him remotely back then. It's not oh. a voicemail. So I call him right back. He's like, boy, you're a tough guy to get hold of. I'm at a clinic, Coach. What's going on? He said, um, I hired somebody for that job. Ironically, the guy who got fired at Purdue got the job at Northern. But he said, my third assistant, it's called the part-time assistant. He goes, what that means is part-time pay, full-time hours. That job is open. And if you want it, it's yours. But I have to know within 24 hours. Now, I'm leaving for law school in a year, in a week, George. He tells me that, and on the same call, I go, I'm in. He's like, whoa, whoa, what do you mean you're in? I said, coach, I'm in. Don't you start law school next week? Coach, F law school. I had no interest in going anyway. I'm in. When do you need me? He said, uh, it pays $4,200 for the year, and you need, I need you here next Thursday. Done. I'll be there. Wow. Okay. Welcome to NIU. My parents, I go home. I said, Mom, Dad, you got to sit down. I have got to tell you something. It's very serious. My parents, my dad's gone. My mom's not in great health. And this is going back to 1986. And I sit them down. Um, and that my mom goes, who did you get pregnant? I'm like, Mom, I didn't get anybody pregnant. I can't go to law school. I got an opportunity. I'm taking it. I'm going to Northern Illinois University. I'm going to make $4,200. My dad looks at me. Son, there's no way you can live on $4,200 before taxes. I'll tell you what. George, it's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. They said, look, we're not wealthy people. We'll help you as much as we can. You don't have any kids. You don't have a wife. You don't even have a girlfriend at this point now. You need to chase your dream. But if you're going to do this, you got to do it 
all in. Give it everything you have. And if it doesn't work, go back and go to law school. I said, you got a deal. I'm going to bust my ass. That's the only way I was raised. And the next week, I moved to DeKalb. My parents helped me rent an apartment, and I live in that office. Now, my second year there, our recruiting coordinator gets deathly ill and is in the hospital for six months. They call me in. Hey, the high school season's starting. Coach White can't go on the road. We need you to be going on the road recruiting, so we're promoting you to full-time. And I'm thinking, full-time? What am I going to start making? No, no, no. Same money, $4,200. We don't have any more money in the budget. But now your status is full-time, so you can go recruit. Okay, I'm in. We sign a top 40 class. We get Kenny Battle and a whole bunch of really good players. Rodney Davis, who's in the Northern Illinois Hall of Fame. And I'm hooked. And I start making contact after contact. All these other guys making no money who are assistants were hanging out. And I'm in love with it. And I'm there for four years, and Coach McDougal gets fired. Now what am I going to do? I wasn't a great athlete. There's a billion guys like me. Where am I going? So I'm like, I guess I got to go to freaking law school. So I sit down that night when Coach McDougal was out and the new coach had been hired, and I composed what I think is going to be my resume. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not taking money from my parents. They don't have it. I'm, here's how I'm going to pay for my first year of law school. And I type up a scouting report of every kid I'm recruiting. George Offman, 6'2 guard, struggles beyond you know the three-point line, but he's strong going to the basket, great leader. Here's his ACT. Here's his grade point average. There's no cell phones, but here's his head coach is blah, blah, blah. Here's the coach's home phone and his office phone at school. And I type all this up, and I've got probably 100 players I have files on in the state of Illinois. And a friend of mine's a printer. He goes, I'll print it for you free. We put a picture of the skyline of Chicago on it. And I come up with, I don't know how, this catchy nickname, David Kaplan's Windy City Round Ball Review. And I mail it out. My parents gave me $500 for postage envelopes. And I mail it out to 275 Division I schools. There's only one issue. That's it. I'm asking for $100. If you keep it, please send me an honorarium of 100 bucks. If I can get 100 schools, that's 10 grand, I can pay for my first year of law school without any help from anybody. And within three weeks, I've got 250 checks and there are notes in there. Hey, man, can't wait for the next edition of the Windy City Round Ball Review. This is awesome. And I'm thinking, next edition? I got nothing left for you. You got everything I got. <laughs> Better hurry. So now, I'm like, screw law school. I start going to Avalon Park and the Merillac House and the BBC and the the ABC and the BBR. And I'm going to all these summer and spring tournaments and camps. And I start writing every month a different episode of my newsletter. And I mail it to Chet Kopic and Chuck Swirsky. They were the only sports talk going. I send it to Chet Kopic and I come home. And I remember my mom and I walked into my bedroom. We're like, oh, I got a message. Turn it on, David, Chet Copic, Comic-Con Sports. Uh, I love the stuff. Would you want to come on tonight and talk recruiting? And my mom and I are hugging like, oh, my God, somebody actually wants me to be on their radio show. I go on. It goes great. 
and Chet starts doing a weekly feature with me. 7.13 the time, by the way. Jimmy Harp will join us momentarily here on WMAQ and Copic on Sports. If you look at this club playing two games in two days. And I'm going to do the state of DePaul. They were number one in the country. And Illinois and Loyola and UIC and all these schools. And now I start appearing, hey, could you come on my radio show? How about my TV show? You want to come on halftime at the DePaul game? And my name starts to become synonymous with what's going on in Chicago basketball. Now my phone rings. Again, I have a message. David, Jerry Krause, Chicago Bulls, please call me. 943-7200. That was their number. And they're at <laughs> one bag mile on the corner of Oak and Michigan. I, I remember it. That. Yeah. A friend of mine by the name of David Abrams does the best spot on Jerry Krause impersonation. And he would always call me and use it. So I call him back because I think it's him. Hey, funny guy. Funny with the Jerry Krause and actually putting his phone number on there. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm in a meeting at work. What are you talking about? Did you call me and play a joke? No. Oh, God. I call Jerry Krause's office. uh, Chicago Bulls. Yeah, Jerry Krause, please. Who's calling? David Kaplan. He's been expecting your call. Hold on. David, uh, would you come down and meet with me? I've heard that you work hard and you know a lot about some of the players in the area. want to see if you'd be interested in scouting for the Bulls. Excuse me? So he hires me, no money, but he said, I'll get you a credential to every college game I send you to. You can drive to Madison and see a Big Ten game. You can go to Northwestern. Like all these teams in the area. The first player I ever went to see for him was at Chicago State, Mississippi Valley State, had the leading scorer in the country, George Ivory. George, he couldn't play dead in a cowboy movie, but I write a report on him. Jerry goes, that was great. Keep going. Brings me to the summer pro league camp. It's at UIC. He goes, do not tell anyone who you're looking at. I want you to go look at number, I think he was like number 58. There's, well, you've been to it. There's like 150 college players. So I walk over, I'm in a, a tie and I just sit and watch this guy get done. I meet with Jerry. What did you think of him? I'm like, that kid's really athletic. He said, I'm hoping to steal him in the seventh round. The next day, I go back. Jerry says, that's the only guy I want you watching. I go watch him. He gets like 28 points in a camp game. And I go to Jerry. I'm like, there's no chance that guy's there in the seventh round. He said, where do you think he's going? I said, I can just tell you. As the game went on and he kept hitting shots, there are a lot of people watching. He's like, son of a, maybe we can get him in the third round. Because the draft used to be seven rounds. I remember that, yeah. The next day, I see Jerry, and this guy is just, he's out in the passing lanes, d people up. Jerry, there's no way that guy's there in the third round. He's really good. Now, did I think he'd be what he was? No, I'd be lying to you. But he was a really intriguing prospect with long arms, six seven, playing hard. Scotty Pippen. Yep. <laughs> Jerry ended up making a deal and getting him. I'll never forget that, George. And it led to, you know, me scouting for a 6-4 and under league team to scouting for the Sonics from contacts I made to scouting for the Pacers to getting a phone call to do some TV one day. And the rest is history. Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is presented by the Polina Market. And if you haven't been there, what are you waiting for? It's been Chicago's premier market for the finest meats since 1949, and it's only getting bigger and better. From the popular Wagyu steaks to their porterhouse and tomahawk selections, Polina leads the way 
and you might just spend hours there perusing the frozen food section. Everything made fresh, including chicken pot pies, pulled pork, and a variety of meatloaves. You like brats? I love them, including their pork variety, which is so juicy and tasty on the grill. And now the Polina Market has seafood and sandwiches from the deli and wine and beer to match anything you buy. Plus, they expanded again, making the in-store experience even better, but you can still order online to pick up. Take my word for it, the Polina Market is as good as it gets and conveniently located at 3501 North Lincoln Avenue in Chicago. Check them out on their impressive website at polinamarket.com. Mention you found them through this podcast. Part of Cap's persona has to do with creative stunts, such as this one at WGN Radio. I'm dinging. Ladies and gentlemen, Dave Kaplan with Theme Sports, Things Found in the Bathroom. Oh, my lanta, this was not easy. One or two. My lanta. <laughs> Is that one or two? Are we counting mine? No. One. One. The Cubs behind Mark Clark's second win with relief from yeah. Rod Beck, who picked up his fourth save. Wipe the Expos out of Wrigley I'm Field, three to two. I'm going to be sick. I can't give you this. I'm going to be sick. Come on, Cap. I put you on your best honor now, buddy. The Cubs' sixth straight win. Clark, who struggled early, settled down and retired the last 14 batters he faced with a mixture of <laughs> gas and breaking ball. Four, five. Yeah. <laughs> what? I'm not counting those. <laughs> so you start at WMVP, which became a competitor to the score. Uh, then to a long-time career at WGN Radio, which included one of the most celebrated stunts of all time. And it was the start of the Cubs' 1997 season when they began 0-14. So tell me a story I don't know. When the idea was hatched, what you did, and why you really did it. So it, the Cubs, like you know me, I'm a diehard Cub fan. I can be... Oh, I, that, I think that, that comes with the territory, yeah. Yeah, and people would be like, well, aren't you a journalist? Come on, man. It, I'm an entertainer. That's what my job is. Yes, I, I've broken stories like you have, and some of that requires journalistic background, integrity, whatever you want to call it, but I only like authentic people. I loved Harry Carey because Harry was authentic. He was himself, and he didn't give a flying rip what you thought of him. And so – now 97 starts. And the Cubs had come off like in 95. They got eliminated from the wild card right at the end. 96, they didn't finish strong. Here comes 97. And I am working at the station that's carrying the games. So I'm doing the pre and the post game. I'm around Ronnie Santo. And I'm excited. And now they start 0 and 6. And my program director, Mary June Rose, says to me, Boy, what are, what are, are the Cubs going to ever win a game? I said, I don't know. She goes, you should do something, you know, to get people fired up. I said, I got a great idea. I'm going to take the WGN fan van. I'm going to drive it to Wrigley. I'm going to park it outside the ballpark, and I am going to live in it till they win a game. She's like, you're going to what? I said, yeah, Waddle and I, because he's my partner at the time, Tom Waddle. And I come running into the sports office. I said, Tommy, you're not going to believe what we're going to do. What? 
We're getting in the van and we're going to drive to Wrigley right now and we're sleeping in the van till the Cubs win a game. His response, classic Tom, he goes, you're doing what? I said, no, 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 we're doing. He's like, go F yourself. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I said, okay, I'm doing it. So my intern, Steve Buckman, the guy who called me when Jack Brickhouse had passed away, Steve Buckman goes, I'll go with you. So we drive up there. Well, I can't park it on Clark Street. I can't park it on the grounds at Wrigley. So the owner of the McDonald's hears about it on WGN, calls me and says, you can park it in my lot. Done. So they're going to win tomorrow. They're playing Colorado. They're going to beat Colorado, and it's over. It's a one-night stunt. They lose. Now McDonough and Jay Blanco, want to throw out the first pitch? Sure. Throw out the first pitch. I'm getting taunted by, you know, people in the media. And they're like, dude, this team's horrible. I don't know when you're going home. So now here comes day two. They lose to Colorado again. They're 0-8. Now I'm thinking, when the hell am I going to get out of here? The Cubs leave to go to New York. They are still winless. And I'll never forget when they were leaving. I'm in the van. There's a knock. I'm like, yeah, coming. Hold on. I open up the door to the van. It's Jim Riggleman. He's the manager of the team. I don't know Jim Riggleman hardly at all other than a couple interviews. He's like, hey, man, I don't know when you're getting out of here. We're horrible. (laughs) He actually told you that. (laughs) I'm like, oh, God. Now there are drunks at the bar that are coming, and they're rocking the van in the middle of the night. So the radio station hires security to guard me out there. Now they lose again. So now the Tom Snyder show, remember the late Tom Snyder? Sure, of course I do. The late, late show. He calls. Hey, if they lose tomorrow, we want you on the show. Well, I, 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 I'm not leaving. I can't leave. No, no, no. We're sending a satellite truck. We're going to do part of our show from the parking lot at McDonald's. So sure enough, they lose. And they set it up with Magnum's Restaurant. Uh, their marketing guy, John McCartney, says, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have steak and lobster delivered to you while you're on the air. And he has this gorgeous girl who's a model in uh, those really high white boots and a short dress. And she's delivering and serving me filet and lobster. I'm sitting on a recliner that J- the, the um, John M. Smith, or do you say Smythe, or Walter E. Smith, I think it was Walter E. Smith, delivered a recliner and an Oriental rug that's set up in the parking lot at the McDonald's. Apt Electronics sets up a TV, and they wire it into one of the stoplights. And I've got TV, I've got a chair with an Oriental rug, and i got a beautiful girl serving me steak and lobster on national TV. Now, i got to interrupt you for a minute because I'm thinking, of course, the, the, the logical thought here is um, where do you go to the bathroom and do you shower? So a friend of mine who I mentioned earlier, Dave Abrams, he owns one of the rooftops, 3627 North Sheffield. He tosses me a key. He goes, what are the ground rules here? I can't leave the area around the ballpark. He's like, my rooftop overlooks right field. So he lets me use the shower in the building. So I showered like three times a day. I had nothing to do. And I would walk around the park to get exercise. And then the owner of the McDonald's, he said, hey, we're open 24-7. If you'll agree to come in when I have a TV station coming and cook breakfast for the customers, I'll let you eat whatever you want. 
deal. So I would go in there and just grab a double cheeseburger. Oh, you guys want pancakes? I got you. And I'd pour it out and flip the pancakes. And I was there. So on Friday, they lose again. Saturday, I think it was, they get rained out. Sunday, they have a double header. George, they lose game one of the double header. They're 0-14. 0-14, and I'm still there. And then the next game, eighth inning, Cubs have like a 4-2 to lead. Bottom of the eighth, the Mets get three. They're gonna, and they're off on Monday. So I'm there at least two more nights. Lord had mercy on me. The Cubs come back in the ninth, get two runs, hold them, win, and I get to go home. And there must have been 500 people in the parking lot taunting me. They're going to blow it again. You're absolutely not getting out of here. And they got the save, and I got to go home. So you hosted Sports Talk Live for over 10 years. It was a fun show, Cap. It featured many media members from our town and guests as well. I enjoyed being one of the panelists from time to time. So tell me a story I don't know, what you enjoyed about it, and why did it get canceled? I loved doing that show, and I loved the people that I worked with four and all the guests like yourself that we had on let's meet the panel for today's show he's george often from news radio 780 wbbm i'm not sure it's going to matter if they make the playoffs or not their draft position isn't going to change much you know they're not going to suddenly fall into the top five right so there's going to be well i mean what was their chance of getting derrick rose 1.9 and they hit it right and lightning will not strike a second time so when the pandemic hit they ended up doing away with a lot of local programming in all the markets. And the one problem I had with it is we were making money here, but some of the other markets were finding it really tough sledding. We were very blessed. We had a great sponsor in Chevrolet, the Chevy Silverado. And so they made a corporate decision to get rid of Sports Talk Live. I was disappointed. I understand the pandemic and all of it. It just was disappointing because it was, I think, a really well-received show, and it actually rated very well. Thanks, Cap, for telling me a story I don't know. My thanks to WGN Radio, NBC Sports Chicago, Facebook, and Copic on Sports, the podcast for those intriguing highlights. Thanks, as always, to T.J. Reeves for putting this podcast on the map, Will Hatzel for his deft editing, T.T. Schinken for her artistic touch, and Ken Schreiner for always being there. And, of course, to our presenting sponsors, the Polina Market. Find them at polinamarket.com and the Vienna Beef Company in business since 1893. You can find them at viennabeef.com. Join me next time for Part 2 with Cap, David Kaplan, on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. I'm George Hoffman, and that's all she wrote. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. 
American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton to adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.